recording. Sorry, made my unorganized ass. All right, here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Generation, the podcast, the official audio companion to the HBO Max original series, Generation. My name is Gigi Good, featured walk-on extra extraordinaire. And I am Wembley Sewell, not a walk-on, just a fan of one of the walk-ons, <laughs> editor-in-chief of them. Gigi, it's such a pleasure to be here with you, uh, an even bigger star than than before as of this episode. Oh my um, god, stop. <laughs> I cannot stop, and I won't stop this entire episode. <laughs> um, we are also joined once again by Generation creator Zelda Barnes, and the incredible Martha Plimpton is back again, starring as Megan in a much different light this episode. Mm -hmm. So let's begin by talking about episode 13. There's something about Hamburger Marys. Gigi, what is this episode about? There certainly is something about Hamburger Marys, I have to say. This episode was obviously a personal favorite of mine, and it might have a little something to do with the fact that we saw a uh, little familiar face featured in it, and that may or may not have been mm -hmm. mine, which was very exciting. And I'm so excited to finally be able to talk about it because we did it so long ago. Obviously, this holds a special place in my heart. We'll get to that sort of nitty-gritty, but... This episode is no exception to the drama. We see Megan being pushed to her limits. She's got to swallow her feelings about Nathan's sexuality and attempt to support him. A line is finally drawn between Greta and Luce. Chester and Bo have their first fight. And as Greta attempts to communicate with Riley, things kind of <laughs> fall apart. So Megan is certainly not the only one not getting her way at the drag show. I was the only one getting my way at the drag show. I feel like I'm going to have a pit in my stomach for the entirety of this conversation because there are so many gut punches. It's interesting because to me, it's one of like the heaviest episodes of the entire series, but it's a, a yeah. the, the backdrop to it all is like one of the most affirming, vibrant, exciting places like in the world to me. So that initial mm -hmm. like that balance and like that contradiction in and of itself like is enough to just send me personally spiraling but i know that we are totally. going to get well into it but on a on a much lighter note gg you looked stunning the entire episode i know oh i i'm <laughs> writing a letter to the academy as we speak i know that the academy has nothing to do with television <laughs> in some ways but you know what they should make an exception for you listen i rehearsed day and night for months for this gig so <laughs> well it paid off I truly cannot wait to to dig into the making of this episode with our mm -hmm. guests. Welcome back to the program, Zelda. Hi, I'm so glad to be back. We also are so lucky to be back with the amazing Martha Plimpton. Miss Plimpton, if you're nasty, how are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm going to go ahead and say that parts of uh, the night at, at a one Hamburger Mary's feel like immediate exposure therapy for Megan. Can you talk about what this change in like Megan's whole 180 that she has to do like mm -hmm. feels like in her mind at this moment? Well, I think it's funny because I, you know, it, she's sort of convinced to go to this yeah. evening mm -hmm. by Mark, by her husband, with a, with a line that it's sort of deceptive because his line is, you can't steer the boat if you're not in yeah. the boat. Uh -huh. And I think that 
you know, that's sort of a smart thing for Mark to say to her because, you know, she's a control freak. And mm-hmm. yep. And so I don't think she goes there to experience something new or to yeah. share in her son's new reality or to try and understand anything. I think she goes because she knows that she can't be in control of something she's not part of. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so from the moment that they arrive, she senses that this is not going to be something she can control. And it begins with, you know, meeting the meeting the glamorous coven outside you know, of uh, this coven, this beautiful, these gorgeous drag queens <laughs> who are immediately taking to Mark and, you know, playing with him and he's playing right back. That is the first sign that, that she's out of her element and she won't be able to control this thing. Mm. And, and that's why she's immediately thrown off balance. And then, you know, going in, that's where she's at. That's the mood she's in. And she's angry. And she's scared. Very scared. Yeah, totally. And it just kind of spirals from there. You know, as you mentioned, she sees Naomi doing this thruple thing, which is completely insane to her. It's just, you know, what is she doing? And the first that she's, yeah, that's the first exposure she has Exactly. She has no idea, Exactly. She has no idea. And it's just not something she wants to see her daughter doing, you know. And then... You know, as the evening progresses and as the tension gets higher, you know, and she sees this example of people being so loving and so accepting. And, you know, she sees Anna praising and loving on her niece and she's guilt ridden, but also trying to stick with her, Uh her set of rules. You know, we talked about last time that people like Megan, they're terrified of the the unknown in life. They don't like yeah. the, the, the inherent chaos in life. And so they need to have a set of rules yeah. and they need to have a set scene of is, boundaries. And that inherent chaos. Like everything is, about that yes. environment. Absolutely. Which is, I think that's the beauty of it, you know. But Absolutely. Like is... And it is beautiful. But to Megan, it is like being thrown into the fire from the fire, frying pan. Her immediate need to get out of there and also her weird like why is mark enjoying this so much there's a jealousy there Mm -hmm. there's a sense that she's lost her husband as well like she she's completely alone in this space and she needs to get out and i think what you said Gigi, is you know she is she's spinning out she's totally spinning out and i think that's that's an accurate description of of her state of mind. I think it shifts a little bit when when she senses that she's being yeah. dared by her son. There's so much tension in the room that really only feels like it's coming from Megan. And it, yes. it seems like everyone else who's there wants her to just be like, they're trying really hard to make her feel comfortable and to make her feel welcome. But there's clearly just that little voice in the back of her head that's not letting her do it. Martha, you begin the episode and end the episode with a very powerful performance, which really sticks in my head very clearly because, again, I was there watching you sing You Gotta Be on karaoke, which is one of my favorite songs. And it was stuck in my head for so long after that. (laughs) But it was it was really very powerful in person. And obviously, at the time that I had been on set for this, I had not seen most of the episodes leading up to this. So I had really no idea what was going on. But you could tell 
on stage as you were singing this song, the words of the song and the meaning behind it and why yeah. why you just that song happened to have been chosen for you. It was very powerful. Mm-hmm. But I want to mm-hmm. know what was your process in preparing for this specific like karaoke performance and what what might be your interpretation of this in in regards to it being a, a speech of sorts. Right, right. Well, I'll I'll be honest with you. Because Megan is unprepared, I didn't prepare. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, mm. totally. And I and I was in denial the whole week preceding that I would have to do it. I was totally <laughs> in denial and completely ignoring the fact that I would have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know the song the same yeah. way Megan knows the song, you know? Right. So, you know, I know it enough, but not enough to remember all the words. You know what I mean? Sure. And then when those words are are on the screen in front of you, That's right. in front of and Megan, th- she's like, oh, shit, yeah. this is this is what the song means. I, right. And, and yeah. And I and I think, you know, and she knows the song. So she's mm-hmm. relieved. Right. Um, But also the song, I think it occurs to her during it. Nathan chooses it to make a point to mm-hmm. her. But mm-hmm. she also realizes during the singing of it that it's about her, too. And I think it hits her while she's singing it that she is desperately lonely. Mm. Totally. Desperately lonely. And she feels totally abandoned by everyone. Mm -hmm. By her husband, by her children, you know, her friends. She, She feels totally abandoned. And she starts singing it, you know, as a, you know, as part of a dare and, you know, singing it to like, uh-huh. show Nathan that she him. can do yeah. this. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and despite him. And, a challenge. But as she's singing it, she's realizing, oh my gosh, I, I am terribly alone. Do you know what I mean? And then, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Look, I don't know. Mm. In the process, I think we found that in the process of shooting it, we shot a, a, several different versions, as you know, Gigi, because you were there. Yeah. And you had to sit through it um all those times it was great every time <laughs> but i think that's that's the world in which we sort of that's that's what we sort of finalized that's what we yeah. sort of landed on in the end right i mean it was powerful and it was like take yeah, after you. take we were all just standing there in that bar just like wow <laughs> thank you and i would i mean obviously you're not belting the song by any means at all but like i think that there's so much power also in the faltering like you can hear the fear mm-hmm. you can hear the loneliness you can hear the introspection in every single line like i was like damn yeah, like you know sure. like while i was and and it just ends and you're like sitting there you know with nothing but your vocals and the lyrics and you're like that was that was a lot, mm-hmm. you know. That's yeah. a lot to process, and it makes me so so curious as to like what's coming next. Like, where does one's brain heart go after a moment like mm-hmm. that? Especially mm-hmm. when you're when you're looking at Megan, you're watching Megan, and you're like, talk. Let's talk about boats. Like, she seems <laughs> lost at sea. She's at sea, exactly. Her. Yes, is, exactly. When Anna steps on stage and begins talking mm-hmm. and. You know, when when I was watching it from two feet away at the bar, I'm wondering which way is the direction going to go with Martha? Is this speech that's very touching, that's very heartfelt and and Mm -hmm. is hitting all the heartstrings of everyone else in the room? Is this going to change Martha's mind or not Megan's Mm -hmm. mind? Um, No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. (laughs) So I... 
Well, I mean, but but and and that's a good question because what I think what it does is, and we all have, I think we've all had a moment like mm-hmm. this, where mm-hmm. we know we're we know we're wrong, but we just can't exactly say it. We cannot go there. Mm-hmm. It will totally take away our whole foundation. Everything. It's that it's that core thing when you know. You know you're missing out, and, and and you just you refuse to acknowledge it. Yeah, you know, and that's I think what the moment with Anna and her her niece are doing. You know, that's what she's seeing. She's seeing this gorgeous, heartfelt, beautiful thing, mm-hmm. and she's refusing to acknowledge yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I think we've all been there at some point. We've all been too proud or too shut down or too jealous. It's a pride thing for sure. At some point. And yes, it's a pride thing. Totally. <laughs> and I think Mark, Mark is able to see yeah. that. He's able to see that and think it's beautiful. I definitely think we've dropped all these hints along the way of Mark being a bit more open-minded yeah. than Megan, but Megan is just running that household. And so Mark really just has kind of no say in anything that happens. Um, he yeah. has to like run everything by Megan first, but I think he really is trying to push her in the direction of acceptance. And I think he really wants to be close with Nathan. I think he really wants to get to know Nathan better. And I think he, he doesn't want to be those like absent parents who like can't emotionally connect with their children. And the truth is he has that line where he says to Megan, like, maybe Nathan wants you there. Like, maybe he actually wants you to go. It's not really that Nathan, like, wants his parents at this, like, event with his friends. It's more just that he wishes he had the type of parents who could go to that event and, like, have fun and, like, be accepting and mm. be totally fine with all of that. And I think Mark is trying really hard to kind of give him that safe space. And Megan is fighting it so hard that it becomes really difficult for their whole family to kind of connect. We're talking about episode 13 of the HBO Max series, Generation. We're going to get into a lot more after a quick break. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are talking to Generation creator Zelda Barnes and Martha Plimpton, who stars as Megan. I'm curious from you, Zelda, why you chose to have Hamburger Marys be the scene of this. Because I think some people could argue, well, why would you or like, why would someone choose to to bring, you know, someone who is a little bit more conservative, who does have, you could argue, like some vitriol on her heart. Like, why would you decide to place someone in a setting where they could maybe not be safe or affirming to other people in that environment? And I And I, and I also understand, you know, Nathan's point of view where he's like, I really just want Mm -hmm. to, I want to show my mom like how beautiful this community is too. So can you talk a little bit about how you all approached kind of that, that thinking or just again, the, the setting in general and the event in general? Absolutely. I mean, we had, this is another one of those conversations that we just had for so long in the writer's room. We talked about all the little details for so, so long. And, Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of a series of really interesting conversations just about, do we want this to be a scene where we kind of like delve into the psychology of like Megan's feelings about this community, Megan's feelings about her children and her family. And we really do want to make it clear that like there are sympathetic aspects to Megan's character. Like she, yes, like I, I think I would not get along with her in real life for sure. But um, that doesn't mean that she, you can just write her off as 
horrible and the villain. Um, and I think that it was really important to us to kind of see her in this environment, actually encountering this environment and seeing her battle between like, which mm-hmm. road do I pick here? Do I pick like acceptance and love and like discard everything I've been taught my entire life? Because that's that's also just like not easy to do. And I think that she is really, really struggling with that in this moment. The karaoke moment when she gets on stage, it's like a stupid prank that her son pulled. But she also I think Nathan is expecting her to storm off. And I think that she wants to kind of show him like mm-hmm. you don't know me as well as you think you do, maybe because I think as kids, we have so many ideas of like who who our parents are yeah. fundamentally that aren't always correct. And we make a lot of assumptions about our parents and what they're capable of and what they want. And I think that it can be very tricky to remember that our parents are people too and have lived full lives too. And yeah. I think that in that moment, Nathan kind of is forced to, Megan yeah. wants Nathan to realize like, no, I can, I can actually do this. Like I can, I can do karaoke in front of a room of drag queens and queer people. Like, and she kind of puts herself out there. Um, And it is kind of this odd moment where she's leaving and then she gets called up on stage and she doesn't leave, which is definitely kind of it's not her saying I accept you and support you. But it's interesting that she doesn't just like look at Nathan and is horrified and storms off. She actually stays and sings. It is a step in her own way. Like and it does. It makes me very emotional like to talk about because especially as people who grew up and, you know, you had to go through the coming outs and dealing with unaccepting like family members like to even just I'm not I'm not one to give people like, oh, you you showed up like that's just immediate credit. Absolutely. Just seeing that step is like I have like chills like (laughs) thinking about the scene again because it's like, Mm -hmm. you're right. She could have just left. She could have said something terrible. Like she could have said, fuck all of you. Absolutely not. But like. No, she I mean, again, exactly, like, exactly. Great, but like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a big deal. This is a, a little personal anecdote that is just, it's, it's interesting that right now this story, like very much within the last couple of days is lining up with my life a lot because the other day my mom, I woke up to a picture that my mom sent me of her and my dad at our local town's pride parade and my dad was wearing one of my t-shirts, which I, I literally, no, I, I really oh almost God, burst into tears cry. because you, you could never have told me that my father would ever be caught dead wearing a Gigi Good t-shirt yeah. at a pride parade. And it just, it goes to show you that, you, you know, minds, mm. minds can change and, and I guess you can take in more information as time goes on. And I actually ended up talking to my dad about this and I thanked him for doing that. And he's really big on TikTok Mm. right now, which is weird, but (laughs) he, um, he sent me, he, he's, he likes motivational TikToks. He sent me this TikTok that was this guy talking to an audience, some sort of Ted talk of sorts. And this guy said something along the lines of as, as soon as someone stops talking to you is when you're going to listen. And that's exactly what happened, like, with with my relationship is I, you know, kind of just ruled it out. My dad is not on my side. I'm done. And then as soon as I stopped talking to him, he listened. You know, you see a lot of shows nowadays, shows and movies and and what what have you that incorporate drag queens. And maybe it's just because it's a trendy thing and maybe it's because drag is so big right now because of RuPaul's Drag Race. But I feel like in this episode, it's almost crucial to show that archetype of a person in the same room with 
Megan and Mark and uh, every character. So I, I want to know from you, Zelda, about the importance of in- incorporating drag queens and how drag culture kind of influences you as as a as an artist and as a queer person. And also, I'd love to hear from you, Martha. Something we were thinking about a lot with this episode and talking about a lot is kind of like. Megan in another life, like, would have loved drag. Like, if Megan had been raised in, like, another environment, like, if you look at her personality, like, I feel like Megan would totally watch Drag Race. Like, and it is just kind of, you realize that it's it's not who she is fundamentally. It's, like, how she's been raised and what she's been taught throughout her life that has made her kind of into the person she is. And I think that, I don't know, I do think it's so interesting that at first she is kind of... Like, she's not not enjoying herself when she gets to Hamburger Mary's. And I think that, like, there are drinks, it's really fun. And I think that if it weren't for the fact that she's been told, like, queer is bad her whole life, like, she'd be having a great time. Like, and that was really, that was really important to us to show, like, that it's not entirely her fault. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a societal thing. It's yes. a cultural thing that she's been kind raised. Of dragged into. And yeah, it's how she was raised. And I don't know. It's just it was important to us to see Megan kind of interacting with people who she has been told not to accept, but who she actually, I think, in her like deepest, darkest place in her Mm -hmm. heart, like kind of wants to accept and love, even though that's like just not what she's been told she's capable of. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I I see it a little bit differently in that I think that Megan's choices are very personal to her. And I think that she makes these choices based on a personality flaw, her organizational issues, her type A personality. I see her as being a very fearful person. And I see her as having, maybe in her past, the fact that she was a young mother, that she was probably a mother before she was ready, of her eldest daughter. I see that as being something that she does not want to repeat. And I think that her religion and her faith are a sort of convenient match for that. I mean, obviously, Zelda, you know, has a, a deep relationship to this character, so I'm, I'm definitely not contradicting you. But I definitely also think that she's, she's really, she, she's a smart woman, Megan, and this is the way her smarts have led mm-hmm. her. And it's very hard to let go. Mm-hmm. Of something like that. Very, very hard to let go, particularly right. when it's self-created. You know, her experience of drag is, I think Zelda's right. I think it were, if she did not have this life system, this life structure, this very rigid life thing, uh, then she would love drag. But she's made a choice to believe in this very narrow set of rules. And that's what gets her through the day. And without those rules, it's spin-out time. And I think putting her in this room with all of these incredibly beautiful drag queens is really, it's jarring to her because they are beautiful. And is that a woman? Wait a minute. It's just, it's, it's a, it, it hits a part of her brain that can't compute. Totally. Do you know what I mean? But that is alluring. It's it's alluring and it's mysterious it and it's an unknown thing. You know, so there's a battle inside her going on the whole time. Curiosity and denial of curiosity. 
You know, those things are going on mm-hmm. the whole time. Totally. Speaking of beautiful, alluring, gorgeous, mysterious drag queens, the tables have turned and I have been dying all, 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 all episodes to like be watching this one. And I have to ask you, Gigi, obviously you are no stranger to working a camera, but I must know what was it like being in front of the camera in this scripted setting? And I just, I have to say, I loved, 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 loved seeing you. I'm bursting with joy right now. It was so much fun. Well, first of all, it's nothing like I've ever done before. It's not, it's nothing like Drag Race because A of all, it is scripted and I am not playing me for all practical purposes. I'm playing drag queen number two. But what was so fascinating about doing this process was that we filmed this one episode over the course of like, what, eight days or something like that. And it really brought you into the process of shooting from everyone's perspective. Like I was in that one drag look swear to God, eight days a row for like 12 hours a day. Mm. And you, but you, it's so effortless and seamless in the finished product that it really just looks like there's a million cameras around the room and you never see one of them. So it was really fascinating to be a part of that aspect of filming. I've never really acted from a script, which was difficult to try and make everything, I guess, the same every Mm -hmm. single time. Um, or as close as possible. But the the thing that I really love the most is like, you know, we we had watched the show from the, the first season and had done this podcast and had obviously loved the show and loved the characters, but it really wasn't until I met the people behind the characters and met the people behind the production and like meeting mm. the hair people, the stylists, of course, like finally getting to meet Zelda and and Daniel and Martha, everyone. It, it was just like such a warm, welcoming, so not stressful in any way, just like mm. really fun. And it made me jealous that I was not on set every every other filming day. But <laughs> I don't know, it was just so magical. And I, I it really made me want to, I had never had any interest in diving into scripted television before. But after that, even just as, you know, featured extra, whatever, mm. it made me really want to do it again in or out of drag. Well, I could see you and Chester becoming best, best friends. But I also must ask you, about the story behind the look, because it was indeed a look. <laughs> that was, well, they wanted me to not be Gigi Good, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. W- they they were like, you're, you're not Gigi Good, because why would Gigi Good be at a Hamburger Mary's in Long Beach right now, of all times? You're like, uh, maybe I would be. You don't know. Maybe I would be. So, of course, I wore two synthetic wigs on my head as, as high as I could get them and my eyebrows were up to my hairline and the makeup was very not what my makeup normally is and it was really fun. I don't know if you know Marco Marco, the uh, designer. Yes. yes. So I had him make the outfit and it was just a cute little simple glittery look and of course we had Joe Lopez was playing mm. my scene partner who was essentially dressed as J-Lo which was just so fun. It was just a really good representation of drag in Long Beach or in Orange County. It was, I don't know, it was just, it was fun. It was just a really fun experience. The OC I want to watch is just, is just drag queens. Yes. It's just drag queens. (laughs) Y'all, okay, well, while we have her, like, what was it like working with Gigi? Like, on the other side, obviously we chat every single week, but I want, I want to (laughs) know. It was amazing. It was so much fun. It was so fun to, like, see you on set. It was crazy. Um, The cast was so excited that Gigi was there. I remember Haley Sanchez came, like, running up to me and was like, Gigi's here. And I was like, I know. It was 
was really cute. Um, it was really, really Aww. sweet. Everyone was so excited to be working with such a brilliant genius. Um, and we had a really good oh. time. Yeah, and I remember there was one shooting day um, where I think one of our ADs came up to me and was like, Gigi's hilarious. Like, Gigi was doing, like, such good improv. Like, we're definitely going to keep, like, some of these takes in. I was like, great. I'm surprised they kept all that in. Yeah. <laughs> no, everyone loved it. It was amazing. It was also incredibly impressive, incredibly impressive that you were able to be in heels for that long. I would not have been. I mean, I had to take my heels off between every scene. I don't know if you noticed. Thankfully, everything was shot up from the waist up most times. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I truly was impressed. <laughs> well, I'm so happy we got to talk today. And I'm so happy we got to once again have Martha on with us. It's such a joy to be able to talk to you. Thank you. I'm such a big fan of yours. I'm so happy we got to work together and talk again. Me too. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, Zelda, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me again. Of course. And thank you, Gigi, for being the star of the show in many <sighs> ways as well. Obviously, Martha, you were always incredible. But Gigi, you <laughs> but, also lit, yes. you, you <clears throat> credit lit where credit is due, in really. A yeah. Beautiful way too. I have to say it. Oh, you know, thank you so exactly. much. Exactly. Round of applause. <laughs> can't say how much like I loved this episode um, but so we'll good. be back with more yes. BTS reveals and exclusive generation commentary next week bye y'all bye girls Generation the podcast is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio hosted by us Gigi Good and Wembley Sewell the podcast is produced and written by Phoebe Unter, written and researched by Sierra Kaiser, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixell. If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed Generation the Podcast, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, be sure to watch the series itself on HBO Max. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 